1: Hello, it's Chief, show the face to all the Covenant and Dr. Catherine Halsey. Halo season two episode one sanctuary is over but here at post show recaps we are just getting started my name is Corey B or Cortana B or whatever you'd like to call me I am back again here for season two of Halo we're very excited to get in and jump into this now my co-host from last season the great Joshua Wiggler uh, I think he's like trapped in some sort of room with daily clones of Kevin Mahadeo coming in to play games with him. So he is currently indisposed. So we are bringing in our pinch hitter from season one, our great friend, Rich Filiberto, DM Philly. Rich, how are you doing? I am
0: so good. I'm just glad I'm not trapped in that room playing backgammon with Kevin and Josh. I'm not <laughs> good at back and I don't like nosebleeds, Corey. Uh, I'm glad to come in as the pinch hitter to replace the man himself, the master chief of PSR, Josh Winkler.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're super happy to have you here. We still have the sort of vibe where I'm the Halo guy. I used to play Halo all the time for anyone who might not have joined us in Season 1. And, Rich, you're coming in sort of, other than Season 1 itself, uh, pretty uh, unspoiled on what's happened in any of the games or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I'm super blind. I'm a hardcore video gamer, but come 2003, 2004, Blizzard released that game called World of Warcraft, and that was the end of like my experience <laughs> with consoles. I put my PlayStation yeah. 2 down. I never looked back. I've not spent an instant playing Halo. I popped in a couple times during Season 1 with you and Josh, so I watched the show, but that is it. That is like my baseline for Halo is Season 1 of the show. I know a little bit from like what friends have said over the years. I've certainly gotten the feedback around the show since season one aired but
1: you are the master chief here Corey. i'm just <laughs> following your lead man i'm the master chief and i'm cory tana so I, we're gonna have to figure out how that works but i guess technically last season they were technically one person so uh and if you didn't watch season one by any chance like i don't think you have to i don't think it's necessarily appointment viewing for you to go back and sit down i had a lot of fun with it it was sort of a little divisive especially among halo fans but what i found is that a lot of People who didn't have that background were pretty chill uh, with season one and uh, found it generally enjoyable uh, for the most part. There were, there were some things, uh, but, you know, overall, solid experience, was, was really looking forward to season two. We've got some new showrunners in the house. And so I think that this has really charted a course in a way where we can jump in and dive into this thing, even if you're starting here with us today.
0: Yeah, I certainly am very familiar with the critiques that come from very passionate fandoms yep. when their properties are adapted, Corey. This is like a really tough pill to swallow sometimes. There was like a lot of controversy around the show. I'm not burdened with any of the baggage of the, uh, like, canon and any of, like, the lore behind the games, right? So I yeah. came in and took it for what it was, and I thought it was a pretty fun season of TV. There's certainly characters that stand out to me. Some of it, like, crashed right back into me as we dove into season two, and just the Little bit of like peripheral uh meta text around season two that i've gotten they seem to be much more focused on character development and really like viewing the lens of the world through the eyes of their core cast so we'll see where it goes yes. for season two
1: and i have heard from fan reaction to this episode that it is much more universally positive uh at the start of this season which is great to hear uh and i loved it too uh, you can definitely tell that there is a tonal shift as you mentioned. There's even some feeling of just like some of the cin- cinematography, the audio. The theme song actually is the Halo theme song now, which is really exciting. There's a lot of good stuff that has sort of uh, you just deviated slightly toward a fun direction. For example, there's a twist in the ver- in the finale that seems to be set up as this big cliffhanger, and they immediately destroy it in the first 45 seconds of episode one. So um, <laughs> there is um, some... Some, a little bit of deviation from season one, but for the most part, we do sort of pick up in a nice way. We have good character focus. We're focusing mostly on our friends in the silver team, but also have some of these other disparate plot lines that we assume we're going to sort of come together in the end. Right. So I think that it's, I think that it's going to be good. Um, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Uh, Episode two, especially, I mean, we were bouncing around through a lot of different characters. It really is easy to overlook kind of like how how broad the world building is. They're all over the place. There's really like a lot of folks to track and some of them are really compelling. So I'm curious where it's going to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we are going to cover season two, episode one and two today. They both dropped and are available on Paramount Plus as of this recording. Season two, episode one is Sanctuary. Season two, episode two is called Sword. And we set up a pretty... Fun plot, especially as someone who knows the lore of the games, for what's going to come up next. It's a very big, huge event in the games. There's actually the location that they're going to at the end of um episode two is a playable location in one of the games. Uh so it's it's uh it's we're gearing up for some fun stuff, but uh what do you say we just uh jump into some uh some plot recap for uh for uh setting the stage here a little bit? On Sounds excellent. I am ready. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And I usually don't get to recap the plot. So we'll see how concise I can make it. Um, You know, new heights here in season two today for me. Uh, So we have our episode one sanctuary as i alluded to one of the first things that happens in the episode is john's body master chief in season 1 he ends the finale dying and cortana basically activating his body and being the you know the first person shooter vibe of taking control of john's body to save the day and we start with john on an operating table cortana basically says she needs to sever the connection to stop him from permanently dying Uh, And so they immediately do that uh, just to completely start off this series. Then we jump over to a planet called Sanctuary. And there's something called Operation Shepherd here where the UNSC, the military, is working to evacuate a very sort of religious village of people off the planet because the Covenant, the aliens of the world, are coming to what they call glass the planet. They're going to rain down plasma fire on the planet. Basically completely wiping it of all life, uh, which is a bad thing, but these villagers are sort of, uh, they're very in tune with nature. They say, "It's it, would you abandon your child? No. So we're not going to abandon uh, our planet. And so there's some sort of fun banter here right off the bat. You can tell that these characters are, are pretty well fleshed out. They, they have some fun banter. They talk together, but Chief ultimately notices that one of the teams is missing and goes looking for them. There is an epic fight between camouflaged elites, these Sengeli aliens who are fighting against John. This is an incredible battle. I loved the effects here slashing at Chief, dodging, shotgun fight. Uh, and we get one survivor from the Marines, a woman named Perez, who. Um, is really in the comms team, right? She, she, he notices that right away. He's, he, you know, she's like, "We're from the comms team." Uh, he's like, "Oh, I noticed from your aim, right?" Uh, and so there is, uh, there is a fun relationship between them. But in this moment, obviously, she's shocked. He sees some woman in a hood walking away as the glassing of the planet starts, and they sort of bail out of there and barely get away. Now, uh, the elite that we see here from behind the scenes is an important character it's a named character so we can get back to that in a moment uh but uh we'll see him several times throughout these two episodes and uh moving forward we're back on the planet reach so you know we get some like weird static in the shower he's he's here's this voice that says you should have stayed with me and we're looking at this board full of spartans more and more of them are being put on standby and it's because this new guy comes in and you know, Josh and I were talking previously between season one and season two, you know, season one, we had Felth, we had Fleet Admiral, Lord Terence Hood. This is uh, EOA, uh, Intelligence Operative Ackerson, and Josh coined that, so I'm giving credit to Josh on that, but uh, our friend, Intelligence Operative Ackerson, uh, EOA, it doesn't ring it's not it's not as like fluid as fault but we'll we'll, we'll roll with it uh he's sort of policy's replacement right he's the new director of the spartan program and he's got this very ambitious attitude um he goes in and basically says oh we, he believes in you we like you know we i believe in you and everything we're doing here is basically to keep the enemy engaged in the outer colonies so that the people here who matter are feeling safe John's like, are they safe? And he sort of just walks away. Uh, and now we are back to the rubble, 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 rubble. rubble. Uh, I don't do that as well as Josh either. Rich, how's your how's your rubble, 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 rubber, rubble, rubble, oh, rubble? Oh, that's good. Okay, that okay, yeah, okay, yeah. You're our designated. <laughs> rubble. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so at the rubble, we have an interesting scene where Soren, our uh, ex-Spartan turned pirate, and his wife Lyra, and some of his crew are hanging out they're watching this sort of uh, auction into servitude of refugees right they're taking in these refugees picking the ones they want and and basically accepting him on the condition of servitude. Uh, Pretty rough stuff here. Uh, And there's a guy named Felix who tries to make his way in and so far doesn't seem successful, but he tries to use this bargaining chip that he knows where Dr. Halsey is. From last season, she sort of escaped and is on the run for a bunch of terrible, awful war crimes that she did. Um, And so he will eventually make his way to Soren. But in the meantime, we are watching... John on Reach talking to Akerson, and they have a really interesting power dynamic. He's talking about what he saw and how they need to warn people the Covenant are training for something. Why were they there on the planet right before they blew it up? That doesn't make sense. But Akerson is sort of gaslighting him a little bit. Like he's like, Oh, you must be experiencing these residual effects from all that bad stuff that happened to you, and I care about you. But then, you know, John tries to pull the power move and get up, and he's like, No, sit down. Uh, so he's got this really intense side to him and so we're starting to see some of the the barriers break between the two of them we also see one of the first signs that master chief is sort of becoming a very revered hero in the whole time between season one and season two. Soren's son, Kessler is literally wearing a chief helmet and playing with an action figure of master chief. Um, they are walking through the rubble and uh, Soren and his wife are having an argument, basically saying he's obsessed with trying to find Halsey and his crew is not really trusting him or they're not afraid of him anymore. And she wants to run away. Um, And so ultimately uh, she We'll probably get that chance after episode two, but maybe without uh, <laughs> without Soarin'. Um, So we have ultimately, uh, we're, we're switching back and forth a lot here. We're back to Reach. We have a couple of different teams here. And one of the teams that is important to the plot, we normally only have gotten the Silver team prior to this point, but we're introduced to the Cobalt team. Uh, They have some like locker room banter. You can tell that there is respect for each other there, but they're sort of a little jealous of Silver Team getting all the limelight. They mentioned they're going out to hunt down what happened to a comm relay. They consider it sort of a boring mission, but obviously that pings John a little bit that there was a comm relay where he went to, and that's where the Covenant were sort of training on. Um, And so ultimately, John Figures out that there's gonna be covenant wherever wherever Cobalt's going, they're gonna be there too. He wants Ackerson to warn them, and he yells, and they have another argument where they're sort of both flexing a little bit and trying to see who wins. Uh, and ultimately, Ackerson wins again, and does not want to warn the team or take any action at all. And so, you know, ultimately, when that all happens, uh, we'll ultimately see John get really sort of like depressed a little bit here he's going off to some club he goes to this like seedy back room with this ai hologram that's like hey there sailor what are you looking for he swipes a card she turns into a cortana he's like getting this like back room session with cortana just so that he can talk to her and say that i feel like that maybe maybe there's part of you that's still here with me um very uh very anti-social spartan vibes for sure. Uh, and we and love to see it. But he also mentions that um, you know, he's seeing certain things and he notices in his sort of flashback when the woman in the hood that he saw on that Planet Turns His Head, it looks like a character who we saw die in season one, our friend McKee. And so that's pretty interesting uh for Chief. In the meantime, we also see um Chief meeting up with our friend Admiral Perengovsky. Uh, where she is not an admiral anymore. She's just a regular civilian. And so ultimately she's kind of got this like backroom deal with John, Master Chief, who's like, oh, tell me exactly what's going on, and you and I can work together to actually help these people out. Meanwhile. We've got Soren and his crew. He takes this guy, Felix, over to an abandoned ship with very low gravity, zero gravity sort of situation. And Felix ultimately turns on him, arresting him. The whole thing about finding Dr. Halsey was a ruse to arrest him for all the crimes that he's done and take him in to custody. Um, And so all of this is happening. And at the very end of the episode, we see this sort of this montage voiceover of someone's voice speaking and it's like this cave wall with markings etched into it and it turns out that the voice is our another one of our friends from season one who we weren't sure that we'd see again our friend kwan and kwan is on the rubble sort of like secretly meeting with soren's son kessler uh which is very interesting and she has some intent or some purpose there to teach him about an ancient monster um and that's where we leave the episode and that's where i'd love to start just talking about this episode real quick and we'll jump into to episode two in just a second but like what do you think this monster is it's it's this idea of like Uh, it's a very old monster. It's older than the light, than this rock, than your God. It's been here the whole time waiting to meet you in the dark. All it wants is for you to know that there's nothing you could ever love that it can't take away. And so I, from a game perspective do have sort of an inkling on what, this might be referring to but do you think this is like a symbolic thing do you think this is the covenant or do you think that this is something else
0: yeah that's really interesting I mean my interpretation coming in very blind is like I'm looking to apply it to the things that I know about the world right yeah the world already feels really expansive Corey like I think that the the things that I really appreciate about Halo so far is like the world building like I feel like I've they've done a really good job of show don't tell of like the the religious kind of radicals the, that I been transplanted 40 years ago and won't move again even though the plasma strike's coming and like the ill-equipped comms team and then even the whole like the the indentured servitude kind of sales auction right you feel this context of the world like John just going down into the city when he runs into the Admiral so when it comes to like this whole metaphor this fairy tale in the cave you know I mean it's very evocative of like primitive cave paintings the monsters and the stars the impossible things that we don't understand and the way that she was kind of speaking i'm trying to like apply it to the covenant because i know that to some degree there is this meta narrative of war right we're on the precipice of like this galactic kind of conflict on a massive scale and i'm trying to find ways to make the interpretation work right to like jam the metaphor into the the kind of only box
1: that i have to put it into which is the covenant that's my read at least and I think that the covenant is, is no matter what the answer is, I think it's related to the covenant, if it's not outright the covenant. And what you mentioned, I think I've, I clocked it to this season, is very sort of faith-based so far in terms of a theme, right? There's the religious people on the planet who you mentioned talking to Chief about how he needs to find... His faith? What are you going to believe in? There's so many shots of people being pulled into darkness or the fog, and like what you know, the monster that you don't see in the dark waiting to get you. And all of this kind of is culminating. And to be fair, Halo is definitely about faith, even in the games. It's called Halo, right? There's something called the Ark in the games. There's all sorts of metaphors and imagery and everything else. The covenant themselves, as an alien species, is a religious covenant.
0: yeah I mean that's what I was honing in on right as I'm reflecting back on season one I'm thinking so much about that like kind of leadership triarchy and uh, the specific like entities that kind of raised Maquis and the whole notion of like Maquis and John as like these blessed beings right Right. these sacred capacities this touch that is beyond there's clearly something with like genetic encoding and I think you get into like really interesting space um, when it comes to like exploring faith and science side by side right I got to take a really Great class when I was in high school focused on Da Vinci. And Da Vinci was like considered this great scientist in retrospect, but so much of his work is church sponsored and is religious in nature. And there's a really yeah. interesting interrogation to like extrapolate out of that into a lot of really good science fiction, Corey. I'm thinking of like Battlestar Galactica, even the last couple seasons of Foundation. Like these are interesting themes right off the top for me
1: absolutely and the cool thing about all of this is that there is this underlying point of why are the covenant doing this i mentioned in season one a couple times they're looking for something called a great journey right they're looking for a way to reach the halo rings ultimately but there is this motivation of why and the why might be a little different in the show than in the games but ultimately it's going to follow along the very similar lines um and this religious motivation and this where what's your place in the universe is going to be a big thing and you can tell that it is from where the show is focusing on it but i love these little uh even just the villagers standing firm as the planet gets destroyed we're not leaving this one behind uh we are going to stand firm with our planet no matter what happens it's beautiful and it's really telling of exactly what they want to go for here and, and lead us into i think
0: yeah, it was great. It conveys such awesome character. That like shaman priestess, whatever she is. Like, I love the way they talk about her, Corey. It was very like again, like it just uh, conveys some of the world to me and like the yes. perspective of the soldiers in the world, right? And she's like, 40 years ago, you did this, and they have no clue of like the history of 40 years ago. They're just these grunts on the ground with the job to do, you know. Well, no, yeah. Um, that, I like it guy who's like, I'm
1: a Baptist. Like he hasn't <laughs> it's a great line
0: and and it's like relatable too. to put something of today's like uh contemporary age into this future setting really helps like round us out and bore us to like what we're supposed to be understanding but just to speak to like the shaman like that's a i I presume a one episode character who just Mm -hmm. was really perfect in the role right like um, beyond like the actual actor and like playing the part i just think having that character there as like a foil to offer this pushback of like you guys did this already like 40 years ago we ran away and you left us here the world we came we like left was like beautiful it had water and trees and now we're on this (laughs) barren place i'm like what are you going to do with this you're going to shuffle us off the side so i don't know there was a lot of stuff like this in foundation season two i'm probably going to evoke it a lot while we're talking through halo because it was a recent sci-fi property that i just kind of blew my socks off but a really strong start right yeah. um into like the action scene and and john like fighting the the covenant like I, I thought it was a really good entry
1: into season one for sure absolutely agreed and i think that ultimately the funny thing about all that is that she was ultimately right right we go into the scene with Ackerson basically saying yeah we don't really care about the outer colonies they can get glassed all we want as long as people here feel safe um so i in some ways she was right that it was you know sort of sad it's fruitless it's 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 there's no way out, but that's ultimately what she did was the right way to go. Um, and I think that ultimately um, there's this funny stark contrast, too, between all that happening, these big armored giant super soldier Spartans, especially now that they have their pellets taken out. And they're like actually fun, uh, where in season one they had some fun moments, but like they were they were pretty like statuesque in season one a lot of the time with the exception of john we have like this scene at the beginning with uh vanek basically talking about oh yeah he took out his pellet he's like i watch programs sometimes like animals and stuff and then chiefs like faces this hill and he's like oh did you know that an ibex can climb an 80 degree incline and uh that's like uh in the in in the video games right when you have like Allies hanging out with you, you just hear all this idle banter all the time. It's a classic video game thing, not just exclusive to Halo, yeah, yeah but, sure you know it feels like that to me, so I love all of this like throwaway dialogue and it's just so weird that you have this planet about to be blown up and you have this. Uh, very religious little village who's trying to fight for themselves. And then you have these Spartans just chatting it up with each other, making jokes, right? It gets pretty serious pretty quickly. And but throughout the entire episode and episode two, you get all these fun one-liners and fun like moments with the Spartans that I'm really loving.
0: Dude, Vanek is great. Like, I, I don't know the Spartans well at all. And I don't know how many of these characters are being like pulled straight out of the lore or the canon or whatever. But like the voice on this guy, Bentley Kalu, who's oh, like yeah. playing Vanick, like he's just got that. That awesome sound that I think is really important. I think it's like understated in a show where we're going to have these guys in helmets a lot of the time to have that really distinctive voice like carries a lot but he's got that awesome like you know like I don't I only give so many F's charm you know Mm -hmm. and any man who could like invoke the vertical ascension of the Ibex uh, with such clarity (laughs) like speaks to my heart Corey I'm (laughs) so perpetually impressed by mountain goats of all varieties especially
1: Especially the Ibex for their like uh, climbing abilities. It's really wild. It's something to see. I mean, it's an impressive fact. I mean, (laughs) Kai looked at him like he was like saying something weird. I'm like, wow, really? I didn't know they could do that. That's pretty awesome. Um, But I'm I'm super happy that they all, all the silver team took out their pellets. Um, It's going to make a much more fun dynamic between all the Spartans and let them really like riff off of each other a lot better. And to something you were saying, Chief is the only one in silver team who is actually ripped from the game. Um, Okay, cool. There will be, there are some potential, like there's been some screenshots posted where there might be some other Spartans that we know from the games or from other lore. There are also some Easter eggs, like when we had that board of all the Spartans with all the names, there were Easter eggs in there. There was a mega team in there, uh, a couple other Spartan teams that like we have heard a reference to or seen, but Chief is really the main one for the show perspective so far.
0: That's I know that case. like, um, like a lot of franchises that I love out there, like my beloved Star Wars, right? There's so much other property, like there are comic yeah. books around Halo and like there have been a couple of novels, haven't there? Or am I like, mistaken? oh yeah, a lot, quite yeah. a lot. And
1: it's, it's done something very similar to that. I know Star Wars has done before where they release a new game and then they retcon a bunch of the canon and then yep. a bunch of books become invalidated. So yep. they've, they've gone through all of that. Yep, that's uh, part, of, part
0: yeah. of the nature of the beast with the ever growing fandoms in mm-hmm. the modern age, you know. Um, yep. but I, I'm I was really curious just because coming away from season one, like, I think one of my criticisms as a viewer is like Master Chief was very, it was not the most interesting character to me, right? Uh, yeah, and and some of the other Spartans, like, and I, this is very intentional, right? But they're such blank slates, you know. Uh, yeah. and my big takeaway was like, oh, Kai was a character that I was really engaged with, Soren, yep. like, just blew me away i'm like in love with bokeem woodbine you know so coming back getting a little bit and just in these two episodes just a little bit we'll talk about riz more but like digging into vanik and giving him some characterization i think it goes a long way like if this is going to be our core group and i'm supposed to be invested in them then you need to like do some work to invest me and i appreciate that they are right
1: absolutely i think they do a great job both in elevating the rest of silver team in in we said that kai was the most interesting character season one out of out of silver team and she's actually taking the most backseat in the yeah. first two episodes and i love that because they're really giving us time to actually understand who the rest of them are including john himself who i think is starting to fill a specific niche in the team too with his role as their leader but also with his role as this revered hero that is being vaulted up across the entire galaxy basically as this symbol of hope and freedom For the world walking past literal projections of himself making poses um and i think that between all of a silver team it's it really does feel a lot more balanced and like we're really getting to know those characters so i totally agree
0: it's a good choice. You know, it's a really tough thing to do. I'm talking about masters of air over on Apple TV with Ariel and Mm -hmm. we're tracking these bomber crews in world war two. And it's so tough because you have this big ensemble around all of your leads. And when it's really easy to look, it's a story about like American soldiers in world war two. So it's a bunch of white guys wearing the same clothes, (laughs) Corey. And like, it's, it's really easy to lose track. And you, you know, when you're dealing with, I think, especially wartime stories that are, Using the tension of like life and death and loss and camaraderie, you, you need to be invested in the characters, right? So I really thought it was a strong like showing from Silver Team in these two episodes to just ground me out in them as a
1: group more. Uh, like big profound kind of change there for me and this is why season two in some ways season one in some ways feels almost like a prologue to me right because we we went through the entire season with most of them or at least half of silver team not taking out their pellets or not taking them out until the very end which gives us no emotion uh to the characters whatsoever so in some ways the fact that this is all hand waved and we're like we get the fun characters right off the gate even the ones who came in cobalt team who didn't have their pellets sticking out had such fun banter uh with them and it was just it was just it just felt so much more immersive and like you said the, the more stuff that we get into because things are going to keep getting more serious and the more of that that we get into with them the better now that we're starting to really understand who they are so absolutely any other thoughts on season one I know obviously we'll go over a little more once we get through season or season one episode one Uh, uh yeah
0: my, my only like final note about episode one here is we get this introduction of Ackerson uh, who I'm definitely going to call Ackerman a couple of times along the way here. That's <laughs> yeah. not to. but so this guy uh, first of all he really reminds me of like a uh, 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 burn something or another I think the guy was in season one the guy oh. from he, he's like got this look that is like insanely familiar Corey and I feel like I should know who he is but i don't and i can't place him he's being played by joseph morgan and i don't know if i really like his portrayal because it's so mustache twirling and over the top or if uh-huh. i'm a little bit like rolling my eyes like part of me is like okay <laughs> I dude, can see it. we're doing the like we have to hate each other we're, we're gonna totally like just reject everything that you're telling us here even though you were the boots on the ground master chief it feels a little bit like over the top and a little bit blunt but i appreciate like having a villain who's so overtly villainous right like there's no ambiguity here to this guy at all he's just he may not be like a villain in the traditional sense that he has evil machinations but he's such uh, an antagonist to John and like he just seems like such an absolute dick man I mean like (laughs) Biff Tannen vibes here Corey and like I love Biff Tannen but like that's where I don't know how I feel about Ackerson yet if it's like too much if it's a little too overt or if I'm like enjoying that it's this over the top,
1: yeah, and Ackerson is he seems like a very smart guy, and I think that a lot of uh, I think having a little bit of lore context here does slightly help with Ackerson because he does have motivations that we have at least in our other timeline or our game timeline, he does have some motivations that we haven't clued in on yet, which maybe because I think what what it might what that might amount to to me is that his motivations aren't clear yet, <laughs> and why is he? just shutting john down for Mm -hmm. these legitimate concerns why is he gaslighting him what is his intent and his purpose um we get a little more nefarity going on for him in episode two and it gives a little bit of a clue but ultimately he still is kind of just just massive dick right like he's just like like he he is uh he's got this polish to him and he's got this authority and he's got so much assertiveness but ultimately he's meeting his own ends and it leaves you to wonder like why is he doing things this way
0: Um, the the thing that got me really as i like boil it down is that like that TV trope of I'm the guy who's going to like replace your supervisor and I'm not even going to make a modicum of an effort to win you over at all I'm going to walk into the room and just be an absolute dick and piss everybody off immediately And I was just like dude are you like incentivized at all to like win these people over like shouldn't you want them to like you you're being so antagonistic and like pr- uh, you know pretentious and all of it like oh my god and then you oh, have yeah. a meeting with John and you think there's going to be a little a bit of like wooing almost yeah because john's like, like oh
1: i studied your file like right? i respect that you're like you've got combat experience and he just totally just just like despite that the bad too. first impression Corey, yeah. he
0: like opens the door to be like okay let's try again let's restart and Ackerson's just like nah man like f you so i i like came out of it like okay we'll see i'm curious about him but um he feels to me like if i'm like picking holes like the yeah. kind of weakest new element where i'm like all right sure this guy is just so over you know um, no, that
1: said like there's
0: certainly more to dig around in episode two with him and his motivations.
1: Yeah. And that's still a really good perspective to know. I do think that if this goes the way I think it'll go, you will hopefully not not like sympathize with it, but at least have some more understanding on why he's being a jerk to the Spartans, okay. why he's motivated the way he's motivated. I, I feel like if they go the direction that he goes in in the in the main canon, then uh we'll find that out for sure okay, but I mean I, I totally can I totally can see that like coming from like the way you said it. I'm like yeah he t- totally is just sort of like an unjustifiable it's, it, it's
0: just was like the TV trope thing you know yeah, like yeah. I'm the new boss I'm a total a-hole the guy that I'm thinking of is Burn Gorman who he just like looks so much like <laughs> he was uh, one <laughs> oh, of the yeah, yeah. watch degenerates who like kills Craster and drinks out of his skull at the end of Game of Thrones like he's a total maniac he's in Pacific Rim he's a really great actor but like uh, Ackerson just reminds me of him so
1: much it's kind of wild so ah oh, yeah no that's that it's it's funny because like i didn't have that perception of him at all but now i like like i said now that you're saying that i'm like okay i could see it <laughs> i could see it uh well awesome we'll definitely keep our eye on that and figure out where it goes and we do get some more in episode two so let's jump in let's uh, let's talk through what happens In episode two, we start with our friend, Dr. Catherine Halsey. I didn't see her at all in episode one. And she's in this like very like picturesque room and a young girl brings her tea and like is really interested to learn how to play backgammon with her. We don't know who this girl is. Halsey's sort of talking to her and sort of placating her a little bit, but she obviously wants information from this young girl. She's asking her what's outside of the room. Oh, there's a man. What's his name? What's he like? But then her nose starts bleeding. And if you've watched season one, that is a very strong indicator that someone is a clone because if you're cloned very poorly, uh, you live a very short amount of time and the nosebleed is sort of the first sign that your life is almost done uh so the girl freaks out and halsey tries her best to get her to say anything before she dies but she just plops over on the table uh and so we get that a couple times in this episode uh <laughs> where she just is continuously trying to work over this poor clone uh or you know a new clone every time and uh it's sort of this weird perpetuity like of just madness it's like almost like it's a it torture i'm not totally sure we'll talk about that for sure um we jump over to a another sort of locker room scene but this time it's with riz and we sort of alluded to this we get a lot of a spotlight on riz in this episode and you can see her scars she took a nasty grenade hit in season one and she has these really terrible looking scars on her arm and on her back um she tells kai that she would never put her pellet back in again even if it would help Her with the pain. And she's really insistent that she wants to keep working and keep trying. Um, And so, you know, there are some conversations about what's been going on with Ackerman. John tells Kai about what he saw. He saw McKee. Kai's like, that's not possible. I shot McKee and killed her. Um, And so there's a little bit of suspicion like, what is John seeing? Is something wrong with him? Is he compromised? A little bit of questions in the air there. Um, And now, of course, we have our Spartan board. The one we talked about before and this is one of my favorite scenes i love this is pure comedy uh there's this guy who's changing out the board and cobalt team status is being changed to this red standby on the board so he's flipping on the board and changing things and john and kai and later vanik are all just grilling this poor dude uh like why why are you doing that why are you putting uh why are you changing them to standby they haven't come back yet He's like god i'm I'm just i'm just doing my job uh (laughs) so like they're like what what are you doing it's like oh i uh they told me to change it so i just i'm changing it that's that's what my job is and so like they're they're like this is like pure personality they didn't need to do this at all and i love so much that they did i don't mean to stop down too hard on the scene but this was amazing i mean it
0: really it belies the ways that like bureaucracies work and how information moves and how like those little relationships matter right you get these former reeds pulling like the guy whose job it is to change the. (laughs) 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 that's an intimidating group of individuals to be interrogated yeah
1: i was dying it was hilarious uh So yeah, this poor guy, I I think sort of implies he doesn't even say anything, but he doesn't not say anything when they ask if it was Ackerman. So they're like, okay, Ackerman did this. So thankfully, the guy just gets to keep doing his job and changing the board like he was asked to, I assume. Uh, And so we are sort of... um, moving over to the rubble for a moment we've got kwan ha she's back she's got this ear tag sort of thing in that sort of marks her as an indentured servant and there's like this bouncer sort of like enforcer kind of guy who's scanning them so she slips away from him gets into a big chase and finds her way down some sort of garbage chute where there's this conveyor off into space um and the guy chases her says he's part of the spiffs um which i don't know that could be in lore but i don't know if it if it is and she ultimately takes out both him and his friend takes out her sort of ear tag and uses it to kill this guy and uh basically runs away and ultimately she's gonna go talk to soren's son who kind of uh, Kessler Soren's son Kessler and uh, basically says yeah I know that the grown-ups are after you right I know that all this stuff is happening and she basically says you and your mom are in danger and bad things are gonna happen kind of actually makes him a little mad because she says his dad's not coming back he runs away and she gets really frustrated and in the meantime when all this is happening, Soren's wife is trying to get his Soren's ship back and getting really frustrated at his crew. He's, you know, she's saying he would never have left you behind. This is his ship. This is why I want the ship. So she's clearly trying to run away on Soren's ship, but trying her hardest to work with his former crew, who quan was told got bought out um, at the time of that fight by uh, I cannot remember the name. Of the, there's like an individual name, Ruby Ann, it was. Oh. And I've, I've never heard that name before. So I, I just wanted to tag that just in case there's something else that comes up there that bought out Soren's crew
0: i wonder i mean during that whole like i don't mean to be uh jamming you up but during that whole kind of <laughs> oh, like fine. purchase of the the indentured servants he kept like checking with the other kind of pirate off to his left right there yes. were like this, this other really important figure that i didn't recognize that he seemed to be like doing a lot of like uh visual confirmation with as they were uh, like
1: Antares is video. his name and and Antares is named very explicitly many times so i definitely clocked it but i don't know who he is other than he's just a member of the crew and there's another woman there who uh are karina who is also like a named member of his crew oh and those yeah were yeah the, those were the two i think
0: I meant even, like, when they're about to purchase the indentured servants, when they're doing the whole auction, there's, like, another seeming, like, pirate captain, right? They're doing, like, a whole, like, pirate lord thing. So I got the kind of impression that it was, like, the captain of another ship. Uh, She's the one who, like, bids on, I think, the criminal there. And there's just, like, sort of making eye contact with this other captain a lot. Um, so I don't know
1: uh, yeah that's like my immediate thought of what like- yeah we'll have to flag that too I, it, it and we don't really know that's kind of most of what we get on the rubble the entire episode and so it, it is very up in the air to to kind of understand what where the rubble is going to actually tie in to the main plot which is something that I probably said verbatim in season 1. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um so eventually the rubble will gain relevance I'm sure of it but uh you know Soren's gone and I think that um there's just an interesting power dynamic in the rubble but we don't even have Soren there anymore so it's very interesting. We've just got Quan and Soren's family uh in terms of main characters. So we'll just kind of see what happens in that arena and i hope that it doesn't drag out as long as it did in season one uh but so far it's fine i think um so that's the rubble and meanwhile riz is sort of training hard and she's got this friend of hers with her named uh lewis i believe is his name uh and he asks her how she's doing how is how bad is it helps her stretch out and he he has this moment where she says, you know, I don't want anyone to be looking. And he's like, no one's looking. And she says, how would you know? And it actually turns out that Lewis is blind. Uh, And we learn later that Lewis actually became blind because he was a member of the Spartan 2 program along with Riz, along with all the other people. But he started becoming blind as a result of all these painful, awful augmentations that the Spartans received and lost his vision. So he's sort of this guiding character for Riz to say, you don't have to be a Spartan. You know yeah spartans never die whatever else but there's life outside of being this warrior right uh and you can live it if you want to so he actually convinces her to move over and talk to a friend of his uh danilo is his name um And just jumping ahead to that you know we're they were talking a little bit lewis kind of gives his backstory everything that he's sort of witnessed and he presses on her scars and sort of she realizes the pain that she has and says that she should let it go uh her life belongs to her right your life is hers it belongs to you and so she has this moment Before they go out on the mission at the end where she's really sort of reconciling uh, her situation and her injury and possibly a disability that she might have moving forward. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on with Riz and sort of the backstory that we're sort of jumping into with her. And then, uh, of course, we have uh the rest of silver team which sometimes also includes Riz, they're going through this really cool real life combat training it's a live fire combat training which is just wild but i guess they're spartans so they can handle it uh running through this really beautiful green planet at superhuman speeds climbing up cliffs taking shots at each other and ultimately riz falls down, smashes herself on a rock near this waterfall. Vanek makes a hilarious joke again, uh, and over explains it, which is also equally hilarious. Um, and then they, chief is pushing them really hard to run it back again, specifically targeting Riz. Riz takes another really nasty fall, even worse this time. Can't even get up. Chief sort of tries to get her to push and doesn't. And he in frustration says, I'm doing this so that we can train because they're training too. Um, and so, uh, ultimately, all that happens, they continue training together, and Akerson at some point pulls Kai away. And tells Kai that he's sort of worried about John, and she's really close to him, so you can help me with uh, John. Is is there any way that like he's a threat to his team or to himself? And she goes to bat for him. She maybe... Over explains a little bit why she thinks he might be a little wound up, but she says absolutely no worries with him whatsoever. And he's basically like, well, I'm, I really hope that he appreciates how loyal you are to him and ends that conversation. And John, meanwhile, is going to confront Perez, the Marine who survived the encounter on this planet sanctuary from episode one. Her name is Talia Perez is her full name. And when the door is answered, her mom is behind her making a big family dinner uh which was amazing and uh invites him and she's like you are very large <laughs> and he's like yeah yes ma'am uh and so th- he he goes in and talks to dinner they all pray um Talia's relatives are all just kind of just, like jumping on her about like oh you and this guy you know are you together and you brought a guy home and the guy asked john about his kdr which is a hilarious thing uh great video game reference and then they realize he's actually a spartan uh that's what got me Corey. that's the point that broke me where he's like would you kill
0: death i don't keep track as somebody that's played like way too much league of
1: legends like i don't keep track either john (laughs) like oh my yep such a badass response too um yeah so they're like oh shoot this is like actually a spartan uh here at dinner so this is this is and and he and i loved this too because he had this stoic john face right like like he's doing pablo is doing a great job of channeling the quiet stoic vibes of john this season and i think that was a very deliberate change for him and but there was this moment where he's quiet uh after after that line and stays what's completely stoic but then after several seconds he a tiny little smile pops on his face and they all start cracking up and i love that so much it's like a, a little introduction to more personality for him while still staying true to the original character too uh that whole scene was just magnificent uh start to finish and it's like such a random thing but again uh they gotta keep doing this thing it's awesome yeah um and and of course after some time at the dinner They pull away, John and Talia, uh, Corporal Perez, uh, basically says that she didn't tell Akerson anything because she didn't know how to explain what happened. Why did I survive? Why did they not kill me? And why did they give me a medal for just surviving? So they sort of bond a little bit about that trauma. John basically says it doesn't ever get better, but it does get further away and uh, sort of have a little nice moment there, just a friendly moment between the two of them. And then back with Halsey, we finally get the culmination of the moment with all the clones just coming in. She basically admits, she's like, why is there a pomegranate tree in this room? I have a very specific moment in my childhood that involves burning down my dad's pomegranate tree. And I've only one person could possibly know about that. And we know that that's in reference to Cortana, who was basically made off of her brain. So she would know that memory. And so she realizes that uh, our friend Ackerson, I almost said Ackerman that time. uh, Ackerson jumps in and he's like, yeah, it's me. And basically says, uh, let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Cortana's secure. Don't worry about John. And we still don't know what he wants with Halsey, but he's continuously tormenting her with more clones of this young girl, Julia, uh, over and over again, which is where we leave Halsey this episode. Uh, Very interesting stuff. And ultimately, while all this is happening, Two things occur after this, right? John is pulling up, looking for where Cobalt went. And he's getting creative because it's sort of purged from the system. And Ackerman goes to find our first sighting this season a different look, too, interestingly. Uh, Cortana, our AI friend. And to be fair, in the games, Cortana literally changes her appearance literally every single game. So it's actually not that uh, off par for her look to change a little bit but she seems different like maybe she was reset or something else happened to her but she's helping ackerman with these complex simulations she's not allowed to go outside the network so she's not totally sure uh she's basing her predictions off of limited data basically uh probably because he doesn't want her to gain her memories back essentially but she says there's a 97 percent probability of presumably something really terrible happening uh, and there's really no viable way to prevent it from happening. And as he leaves, he says, uh, you know, I'll come back again. But she says, oh, well, according to the simulations, that's not possible. <laughs> and uh, so you know that something's going to go down very soon. Um, meanwhile, lending to this point, John actually finds what happens to Cobalt Team going to shut down this relay. Turns out the relay is on Reach, the very planet that almost all of season one and season two was headquartered in uh the very planet that he is currently on the flight never left the planet at all and so he sneaks silver team out on a pelican and they are disengaging autopilot sneaking over there and saying the covenant are on reach and they are uh, about to get into some business here at the uh at the at the visegrad relay which is a game that that's the game location i mentioned before so i'm sure there's going to be some combat taking place there. And at the very last scene, there are we we go to that relay before before silver team gets there there's marines moving down a dark hallway their commander is kind of an idiot (laughs) like moving his troops like squad by squad into darkness as they get slaughtered and he's the last one just standing there by himself like dude what are you doing uh you know marines are not always the smartest in the games either freaking tv
0: marines Corey, come on
1: they are for sure npcs uh in this situation (laughs) um (laughs) and uh they're they're you know it's definitely again pulled through the darkness scenario uh and then uh as the second group comes in an energy sword lights up from this elite and uh picks him up and then we see our confirmation that the chief is not going crazy McKee is still somehow alive or reborn or something and working with this elite and she asks this elite to open the door the elite's like what are we doing here we actually see some dialogue from him um saying that this is not an honorable battle at all uh and she's like can you just open the door please like uh and he does and it's the other half of the relic um which notably too Ackerson was before he talked to Corsana with the other half of the relic and even tried touching it. So I think he like sort of has a little complex too, right? Like, why, why doesn't it work for me? Um, but McKee's back. She's got this relic. She's about to touch it as the episode ends. So I think everything is going to spiral into chaos. But what I do want to mention for uh, Halo fans and for your sake is that this elite is credited as the Arbiter. That's mm. its official name. Now, in the Halo series, there are many Arbiters. There's an Arbiter that... A lot of fans like a lot uh and that's not this arbiter uh but he is he is the current arbiter it's a religious figurehead position that elites occupy that is sort of like um an honorable warrior it's like a holy warrior sort of thing but it's like literally a very high level position but it's also a little bit it can be a little bit dishonorable too Uh, like earning honor through dishonor sort of situation, depending Mm -hmm. on how you get the Arbiter position. I probably butchered that for lore people, but that's how I understand it anyway. Um, And so the Arbiter is, like I said, a named character, someone who I thought we might even see in in season one, but there is finally an Arbiter here. So this is going to be, and the reason I'm calling this out, is this is going to be a character. Um, Mm -hmm. We already got dialogue from him. We've seen him many times. He was also the one that was uh, on Sanctuary, Uh, And John could immediately tell that he was the leader. And uh, I'm really curious to know what happens with him because I do think we have the chance at some dialogue with not just McKee uh, with the Arbiter. And we haven't seen Miranda Keys yet this season. And I do wonder if maybe that might might come into play with her maybe speaking a little, saying Helly, the elite's language and communicating with someone like this who is giving us actual like named character dialogue sort of vibes i don't want to read too much into the casting part of it but you also can tell that he's the arbiter from his armor so Mm -hmm. there's a couple different ways that we know for sure that it's him
0: yeah I know that there's a couple Of like interesting points with the elites Like despite my lack of familiarity With like the canon or the background Like I've got a little bit of an understanding Just from doing my homework prepping for season 2 That like there are a couple really uh, Notable elites that like yes. Maybe leave rank and file I'm, I'm curious I'm interested to see where that goes um, Just to like all of episode 2 I think like to go to the Master Chief part of it um, The Him like going to the dinner Scene was really interesting to me, Corey. There's a beat at the end of The Wheel of Time season one where we do this with the character that I really love in The Wheel of Time and it it creates this opportunity where you put them in with this family and I thought that especially for John who is this total blank slate, right? Like the whole part of like what we're dealing with with Halsey is like these war crimes of like rounding up children, John's like parent, John was replaced by a clone that just died, right? If I'm remembering that right, like Halsey did this terrible stuff and robbed him of all of the accoutrements of humanity i.e. a family yeah. loved yeah. ones right so for him to go into this environment and see the dichotomy between between he and this comms officer of like oh this thing that I yearn for this like hole that I feel like I have like I don't have these emotional connections I don't know how to talk to people right I mean that's what he's like having the whole backroom conversation with Cortana about and then he goes in there and he's being like revered and hero worshipped by the brothers and like all this project from the mom of like oh you're gonna date my daughter but he's taking in the reality of like oh, this woman has everything to lose, right? Like she has this whole family and all these people invested and connected and like how hard it must be to walk away from that. I liked, I really appreciated getting clarity on why she wouldn't corroborate John's story. That notion of like the PTSD kind of like informing her panicking. I don't know how to explain it. The survivor's guilt. It's a little sloppy to me, candidly, but I just appreciate that we address it because it was a big like, question that I came out of episode one with with Ackerson and again the mustache twirling I'm like dude you're Mm -hmm. being so over the top but like this should be so cut and dry there's literally a witness here to corroborate what John said so the fact that she did actually, like, Ackerman's telling the truth. She denied the truth of what happened. That's yeah. really interesting, right? Um, just is. jumping around a little bit, like, Soren, uh, like, I really love Bookie Woodbine as an actor, but Soren is the most interesting character to me by far, and I really hope he's not dead, Court. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll believe it if he is the whole like reversal yeah. of the arrest I thought was really well done like yeah. I went from believing the indentured servant was more than he seems to accepting no he's exactly what he seems to then being like surprised by the reversal at the end so that's super effective like very well done in all of the execution there and i love soren's wife too like pushing back on the pirate crew the little bit of like humanity of like they know that they really have this guy over and there is a little like oh man like like, we now have to deal with the fallout. Like, we are. This woman is in our face. We are trying to figure out how to steal a ship. He does have a son. Like, the yeah. weight of that was all really compelling stuff to me.
1: And it's funny because I was of two minds when I first started seeing how well Soren's wife, Leira was, like, actually coming into her own as a character this season because on one hand i'm like do we really need more characters on the rubble who are we following around mm-hmm. uh outside of all this stuff but on uh, but also like in season one she didn't have much she Mm-mm. was mostly kind of just there she had a couple mm-hmm. lines that were interesting but i kind of love that we're kind of seeing her come into her own and having an opportunity to to sort of shine by herself and same as her son who obviously is now for some reason or another sort of being educated by kwan about all the things you know prophetic um about what's going to happen potentially and what this monster is and all this stuff and i kind of i kind of do like that uh for their characters
0: yeah. I'm really high on Lara. I, I, it's just, I, you know, I don't want to push like too much politics into this, but it's really interesting to me that she's super capable. She does have a hundred percent, the right read, like just cause you're paranoid yes. doesn't mean they're not out to get you, but also like she's pretty much stripped of all the actual power she would need to do anything about what she's realized. Right. And this feels right. like, very parallel to the plight of a lot of women that I know in reality yeah. <laughs> like it's a very it's a very compelling story for me to step into and I'm really intrigued by it I like the moral complexity of Soren's crew having to like deal with the fallout here that like she is here his her son is here how does that impact them how is that going to change their decisions like we see at least a little humanity from some of them the other side of what's happening like the quan dynamic with this kid like straight up i I think it's like a bridge too far i appreciate that we want to like carry the story forward with kwan and i don't mind her role here but it just just like an extra wrinkle there's a lot of moving yeah. pieces Corey, and i'm a pretty discerning tv viewer and i was a little like what's going on like why is the kid with her where are they i thought she's on the run like why is she still here with soren so i'm a little bit like confused and on more there i do feel I, you
1: yeah it's like it's like she ended at episode one talking to him in the cave, and then in episode two, she was running away. From the law and then came back to him in the cave. So I I just,
0: yeah, I have all these questions of like, is she on the run or is she not? Is Soren her ally or is he not? Like, do they know that the kid is with her? Is he like intentionally with her because his mom feels like she's in danger? There's just all of this lack of clarity around that that's making it hard for me to like,
1: yeah, um, focus in on what they're trying
0: to get at, I guess. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah and I, I think too that that was sort of the the problem a lot of people had with kwan in season one yep. is that there was just a lot of like okay well what are we doing here um and so i do think that we need to hopefully see some real connections with Quan again soon for anything like this to pay off but you're right there's a lot of questions that kind of can take away from feeling connected to the plot or or what her or uh kessler's significance is going forward uh so yeah no i could i could absolutely see that i do like that kessler's like uh sort of developing his own personality too uh Mm -hmm. here in this season but you're right you're, you're it's it's totally a fair point and um kessler I do think it's kind of funny that he's like wearing all this Master Chief, like this Master Chief helmet, uh, and like his dad was a Spartan too, but he's like, No, I'm a Master Chief fan. Um (laughs) I love
0: the action figure, dude. I love an in-universe action figure, it's very, very fun, you know. Oh Uh,
1: yeah. Absolutely. And and so yeah, I mean, I think that I think that everything going on in the rubble is again like I wanna know where it goes. I ne- it needs to make some connections. I don't think that Soren's dead though. I mean, I hope he's not, but you know, he was arrested. I feel like it could even be a situation where um maybe he's just being rounded up again. Maybe he's gonna be get brought back to Reach, but then Reach gets attacked or something. Like, you know, it, it there could be several ways that this actually could be good for our for our boy Soren, uh, getting him sort of back into the mix a little bit yeah not just i'm with you there
0: i i shouldn't say dead it was pretty clear he was being arrested right but like narratively dead i don't want him to turn yeah. into a MacGuffin, right yeah i yeah. like him as like an active agent in the story like he just is this this wrinkle that is like outside the marines that's pretty interesting to me and i think you get an interesting like um other side of that with the riz storyline and everything that's going on there i mean that's like really interesting just in the notion again of the way that like we as people in the 21st century tie our identity to our profession and all of a sudden like when you're ill-equipped to do that or you lose your job or or you know you're injured in her case i mean certainly the case with like so many professions these people who are athletes all this kind of stuff when you can no longer perform like the functions like what that means about your identity how it breaks you down and especially when it comes to people that have literally been like ai adjusted with these pellets in them to like just you identify in this very singular fashion and value themselves in this very singular fashion I mean I think a lot of people can relate to like being in an industry and getting like steeped in that industry even if it's not like the military industrial complex the yeah. like being in that cycle every day and like these are the people around you and this is how you value yourself and this is where you like look for achievement and your dreams begin to like change in terms of like upward yeah. mobility within this trajectory not the wide broad options of a person right this notion that like there's a life outside being a marine right um and like you can't see it at all because you're so far down the rabbit hole but it is not actually the end of the world there is not a need to like kill yourself because you can't do your job anymore right exactly Um, that's compelling right that's like good narrative in in all kinds of different venues and it's certainly interesting here and certainly for a character who is like just not been developed until now That i'm like okay now we have an angle of approach that i'm like really engaged to follow riz as she like works through this
1: yeah i love it and i'm really relating to her heart and she was not that much of an entity last season so i i do really like that for her and i also will say everything that you mentioned i also think it's weirdly juxtaposed with the same idea when you saw john going to this weird hollow back room of like Lack of connection with society, lack of emotional connection, which is a very prevalent thing in our world, too. And, uh, you know, not necessarily knowing how to form social connections, becoming disconnected from others, not knowing how to get, uh, you know, express your emotions or who you can express them to comfortably. And I think those two things, that battle with Riz and just showing that in John of, you know where these people are at socially and emotionally is a wild and potent combo. You wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily expect you to like have a situation where you know you've got these super soldiers out there who are struggling with you know potentially uh, reaching past the point of their usefulness in their profession, like you mentioned in sort of. Uh, like where do I go from here? Is there life outside this world? But also like, once you get outside the world, you don't have any connections. You don't have Mm -hmm. any, uh, you know, emotional vulnerability whatsoever. And I do think that that's where also Riz, uh, needs to make connections with, uh, you know, this, this guy Dalio who, uh, or Danilo, excuse, excuse me, um, who is like, uh, I think sort of therapist vibes uh i'm I'm feeling like uh and so i think that will be really fascinating to continue to to sort of uh to, to to watch
0: Yeah I'm really curious to see where it goes To like you know to to the the punctuation Of that like John doing the Tough dad thing of like look Like if you're gonna stay in the suit Then I'm gonna like push you to the absolute extreme Like we need to be able to handle this And things are about to get really dangerous Like that always works for me you know I like Kai being like having a little bit of Mercy and compassion there that like What are you doing you know can you see her Uh, But pushing it further Uh, Just to like wrap the bow on it you know The Ackerson stuff I like the clarity here I appreciate like okay he's got a he's like full <laughs> big villain vibes he's got a lair he's got a safe with a bunch of important stuff in it um, Cortana was a character that I was wildly intrigued by last season and yeah. so I'm really glad to see that like she's still in play with Ackerson this is a fun trope of like the villain kind of like um, siloing one of our important characters so they can have like just these individual conversations to the recasting like that tracks with the game I'm not like Precious about it but i did really like the casting last time so we'll see how that works so
1: i will say the voice is the same oh is it Um, okay yes it's jen taylor but the 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 it was more like cgi-ish sort of face yes and at this season they made it more realistic looking like more like just just like putting a filter over a human sort of sure 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 um so i think that was the biggest thing it might even technically be the same actress portraying body but i think last season jen taylor the original game voice of cortana and still the voice of cortana might have just done some mocap for it so like mm-hmm. i'm not exactly sure um you know where it where it all landed like in the exact nuances but it's like half half a recast is what what i would say uh
0: Uh, yeah i appreciate them using the original voice actor i love this is a thing that we've talked about a lot in the star wars universe is we're transitioning like all of these animated characters over i think whenever you can keep continuity there it's so powerful to do so um but like the final element i guess is just dr halsey's we haven't talked about much i really appreciate your clarity about the clones because i wouldn't have put that together with the nosebleeds i was reading that environment as much more AI or like artificial oh, sure. kind of prison because I'm jumping to the Cortana notions. We had like the first kind of discussion of like, oh, the tree is going to grow a fruit, uh, like these fruits with, with seeds in them and each one's going to burst with juice and the whole tie back to the yeah. pomegranate seeds. It's really interesting. Just visually, like you say pomegranate and I think of those seeds exploding everywhere and like the blood red stains of pomegranates, Corey. Pomegranate's sure. like a really uh, like like religious kind of holy fruit in some perceptions in ancient rome there's a lot of stuff going on there so like to the faith um like kind of suggestions illusions that are blanketing the season so far the My pomegranate dad, thing
1: really hooked into that for well, me and i was like that well, is an intentional choice that's that, interesting that's me. funny too that you say that because she also in halsey's story mentions that her dad was like hellbent on making sure this tree grew even though he moved it to a planet where it was not native uh and still worked super hard to the point of just driving his daughter mad that she like had to help him every morning with this Dumb tree, In the same right? way
0: that, like, the olive branch has iconography beyond olive oil, right? The right. pomegranate has, like, a lot of stuff with, like, Persephone and Hades, Greek mythology. Like, it ties into a lot of very old kind of, uh, like, philosophical philosophy about religion. Um, I, I'm really compelled by the Halsey plot line, you know? I think that, like, as an actress, Natasha McElhone is really interesting. She's charming. She's got, like, the screen presence. And Halsey was a character that was very fascinating to be through season one is somebody new to the world like this is a really important person and i
1: want more of them right yeah halsey Halsey, absolutely i mean it's so funny because halsey was not a big character in the games she was sort of a mention at first but then as the games went on i think they realized what gold they had in a character like this and she became more and more prevalent and more and more of a named character uh as as you know the lore continued to expand and i think this show did right by immediately introducing us to her and her depth and her complexity. And she's, and she's a fantastic character. Yeah. If
0: we're tracking John as our protagonist, you need this person in this role. Right. I think yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I think that it's a, it's a smart move. I'm really curious, you know, the whole notion, like I'm immediately looking at the kid of like, Oh, is that young you what's going on here? This I, I wonder like younger too. version of you, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm very curious, but I'm engaged and like, uh, I'm in on the
1: Halsey stuff so far. Absolutely. Uh, as am I. And I, I think that there's a lot of you know, potential threads that we're sort of rounding out here. One thing that I wanted to mention as well, that I think I might've glossed over in the recap is when Akerson and John are talking about his story. He does say something that I found really interesting from a symbolic standpoint, where he says, he says, I need master chief and we all need master chief, but at the end of the day, he's just a guy in a suit. Yep. And I, first of all, from a meta perspective, that Mm -hmm. is an amazing inversion of all the season one criticism of why are you letting him show the face and take off his helmet? And now they're basically being like, well, if you wanna actually care about this guy, like Ackerson could literally replace him with some other dude in the same suit and trick the rest of the general populace Which I wouldn't be surprised if that might happen In some capacity this season And suddenly you're like oh maybe I do actually Care about the person underneath the suit uh, A little bit more so I kind of I feel like that was a little bit of a poke uh, oh, where, you know, For like, sure dude.
0: Uh, For sure and I I Appreciate it I mean look it like creates tension Which I think is interesting and it's Playing on like the, the canon in world Right that like, yeah. yeah who is Master Chief He's this blank chief Master Chief could Like walk in and sit down at your your family yeah, dinner yeah, on family sunday dinner. night yeah. and
1: you don't know it's him right uh so yep. like you know it works it absolutely does and so yeah uh any other thoughts on season two here there, episode, season two it, episode Corey. two <laughs> <laughs> uh, just as somebody, again, coming in really
0: new, like not invested in, in the canon or the lore of the world or any of yeah. the IP I'm in, you know, I'm like curious, nice. I'm engaged like Good. it, it, it like activated my curiosity more so than I thought. I think that it's a sh- much stronger start than the beginning of season one. And, uh, I'm looking forward to breaking it down with you week by week. I'm psyched to be here with an expert such as yourself <laughs> to get a little bit of the context that I think I'm probably missing as a newbie, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm honored to have you here with me, and we're going to be here every week, probably, you know, give or take some potential scheduling commitments, and we're going to give you coverage of this entire Halo Season 2. You can always subscribe at Post Recaps, or we have a dedicated feed at com slash Halo, where you can come and join us uh, for the rest of the ride here. And... Ultimately, we have uh, some some really fun threads to tie up coming up, and the most notable of which is, is it seems like Ackerson and Chief both know that some stuff is going to happen on Reach. And so I would be shocked if that didn't culminate next episode, but it's possible. We got an entire, like uh spin-off episode in season one before the I gotta imagine
0: if they're naming maps for you in the
1: title that it's gonna pop off next week, man. I'm ready. Oh for sure. For sure. I I I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh and would love anyone who'd like to join us on the ride we're having fun here and rich where else are you having fun out on the internet where can people oh find you?
0: gosh once in a while i'm over at twitch.tv slash dm philly looking to fire up some uh dungeons and dragons streaming role-playing games when i can hoping to be playing some video games in the next couple of months the vods for all that stuff on youtube of the same name i'm breaking down masters of air with ariel it's been really interesting it's the kind of final companion i shouldn't say final but the third companion piece along with band of brothers in the pacific from tom hanks steven spielberg oh. amblin production company over on apple tv so if you dug those shows i know band of brothers is beloved the pacific a little less so masters of air is coming in strong uh four episodes into season one ariel and i having fun breaking it down every week uh i'm at dm philly on that place that i still call twitter hit me up there <laughs> let me know what you're thinking about halo and uh yeah that's about it
1: corey Yeah. Awesome. Well, I have significantly less than that, but you can find me also on Twitter, Instagram, threads, many places at Cavx, C-A-V-X, and, uh, you know, hit us up and we'll we'll chat Halo. If you have any feedback, uh, generally speaking, feel free to send it our way as well. And uh, we would love to see you back here. I was going to say same time, same place, but that is literally not true in any sense of the word. <laughs> <laughs> whatever time you decide to listen to the next episode and whatever place you decide to listen to it, we will be there. Hope you will too. Until then, we'll see you next time. And. Rich, you know, with the of 23, you had like a really fun quip at the end of every episode. Do you have something for us? I did not oh, put you
0: on the spot. My God, i got to go play back end and Kevin Mahadeo to get my <laughs> nose to stop bleeding. We'll see you next time. Uh, bye.